1997. Therese M. Waters versus Secretary of Health and Human Services. Oral argument not to exceed 15 minutes per side. Mr. Waters for the plaintiff appellant. to reserve five minutes sure. for oral argument, and I will begin by apologizing for not having the same experience before this court as prior counsel did. This case is as much about Chevron deference as anything else. The district court's conclusion that enteral formula itself is not a covered benefit, is not a prosthetic device, is it cannot be reconciled with section 1834M, which explicitly recognizes enteral formula as a prosthetic device under section 1935X. The secretary never acknowledges that the NCD explicitly stated that covered benefits include, quote, nutritional therapy for patients who have a permanently inoperative internal body organ or function thereof, close quote. That exactly describes the beneficiary in this case. The secretary never identifies where he specifically excluded enteral formula coverage for persons with permanent impairment or offered substantial evidence for doing so. The secretary never explains why it is appropriate to treat patients who do not use a feeding tube differently than patients who do need a feeding tube when both have a medical necessity, a medical need for enteral formula. The secretary is in fact treating similarly situated, indeed almost identically situated patients differently without any explanation. In arguing that he never explains why how his denial is consistent with the act's coverage of items that are reasonable and necessary to improve the functioning of a malformed body member in one part of the statute or replace all or part of an internal body organ in another part of the statute. In arguing that the feeding tube alone is the prosthetic device and that enteral formula is not, the secretary is in fact and the district court is in fact writing enteral formula out of the statute. So as I hear it, your case turns on whether, and I'm calling it the HCU cooler, is that a generic term that's used for what you're asking for? That is the formula in question. Okay. Turns on whether this HCA cooler is a prosthetic device. Is that really the central question? Yes. And I'm looking at the statute 42 U.S.C. 1395 S8. Yes. Excess 8. S8, yeah, which defines or talks about prosthetic devices. So where in that provision, what are you pointing to, what language to say that your, that the HCA cooler would fall within this definition of prosthetic device? Well, it's actually that section, Your Honor, and section 1935Y. Okay, because both of those sections in 
both places. One of them deals with enteral formula that is reasonable and necessary to improve the functioning of a malformed body member. And the other one deals with prosthetic devices that replace all or part of an internal body organ. And there is simply no dispute that individuals with homocysteinuria, in fact, have a dysfunction of their liver. Okay. Um, but so are you, are you saying that 1935Y just supersedes then the uh, 1395S8 discussion no, of prosthetic device? No, I apologize for interrupting. No, I am not. I am saying they must be read in conjunction with one another. Okay. But how, how, how can I, uh, uh, basically, is this HCU cooler a pill, basically? No, Your Honor. It is a, an amino acid modified medical formula. It is available only on the prescription of... Right, but how does it come? Does it come in pill form? or? It comes in a powdered form, and it must be mixed, you know, with a liquid. Okay. And to be blunt, Kelly's medical doctor, you know, described it as tasting like vomit, and it does. It has to be mixed with something, you know, to overcome the taste of that powdered formula. Okay, and, 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 and the... The applicant, I mean, the, you know, the daughter, Kelly, takes it four times a day? Uh, I do not believe she takes it four times a day. I think it's more like twice a day. Okay. And then I assume the problem gets down to one of them. I assume this powder is expensive? The powder is expensive, um, although the, the purchasing power of an individual is significantly different than the purchasing power of the United States government. So the $20,000 that Kelly has been charged in this case, you know, will likely be very different if, they're, if the government were negotiating this. And relevant to that, you know, the occurrence, you know, of this, this is a very rare disorder. It is probably one in 100,000 or one in 200,000. There are perhaps 1,600 or 3,200 patients, you know, in the entire country. And 20,000, is that per quarter, per month, per year? Um, I'd have to go back and look at the record. That was for more than one purchase. I do remember that from the record. I do not remember the exact number. Have there been any other um, cases involving um, whether this is covered by Medicare? Not that I can find, Your Honor. Uh, how do you, so how do you... How do you get from the fact that this powder, how does that become a prosthetic device? Because Kelly's liver cannot metabolize the, the, the amino acid methionine. Right. And because it cannot metabolize methionine, it cannot produce the amino acid L-cysteine. Both of those are absolutely necessary for life. Okay. Right. I understand that, that, that this... Medication, we'll call it, this eternal, eternal supplement is vital to her functioning, her living. But, but if, does the Medicare Act define what a prosthetic device is? Uh, well, actually, the, the defendant itself, you know, defined it, you know, as something that is reasonable and necessary to improve the functioning. Here's the, the quote from the Secretary's brief. It recognized 
Quote, prosthetic devices are defined in the Medicare Act and regulations as devices that replace all or part of an internal body organ. That is straight out of the Secretary's brief. Kelly's formula does just that. It replaces, it omits the methionine that her uh, liver cannot metabolize, and it provides the L-cysteine that her liver can therefore not Produce. Right, but is it a device? I mean, no, it, of, well, it is an you item. Think of a device is like a feeding tube is a device. A colostomy bag is a device. Um, but how is a powder that you can drink a device? It is an item which is covered. You know, the Act doesn't cover just devices, it covers items, it covers categories of benefits. Okay. What provision is that in the 1935Y provision? You uh, that is, in, I think that's the 1934, uh, uh, it's in the 1395X provision. But what Medicare covers, it, it gives the Secretary the authority to determine um, what items are included within a category, and this is clearly included within the category. It does not, what the secretary did here is excluded an entire class of beneficiaries. The feeding tube does nothing for Kelly. She does not have a temporary ingestion impairment, you know, that requires the use of a feeding tube. They therefore, you know, what they have done is conditioned this on the use of a feeding tube, which is medically now, unnecessary. Let me ask you, if she were in a condition where she required a feeding tube, and she was being given the same HCA cooler mm -hmm. through the feeding tube, that would be covered. I mean, at least the, the, yes. the HHS would not be denying that is covered. It would be. Uh, they would not have denied it if we had forced it. If we had forced her to insert a feeding tube through her stomach or into her stomach or esophagus, you know, lower intestines and stomach, you know, then they would have covered it. But, but that no doctor would have prescribed that because she doesn't need that. Exactly. The doctor did not prescribe it because she does not need a feeding tube. What she needs is the enteral formula. And indeed, the patients who have the feeding tube need both. They need the feeding tube to get their enteral formula through their esophagus, into their mouth, through their esophagus, into their lower intestines, and into their stomach. Okay? They need both, not just the feeding tube. They need the enteral formula as well. Kelly needs, does not need the feeding tube because she does not suffer from a temporary ingestion impairment, which is exactly what the policy article in the NCD dealt with. They, they otherwise recognized that permanent, you know, nutritional therapy for permanent impairments was a covered benefit, and that is flat out stated, you know, in the national coverage determination. Now what, what do you make of, I mean, isn't there a general, uh, deference given to agency determinations? Are, well, aren't the, that is the, the agencies entitled to some sort of deference here? That is, well, the answer in this case is no. And that is exactly, I think, what the Supreme Court is struggling with you know, in a number of cases. The deference in this case that they're asking for, they are actually asking for the, this court to defer to the judgment of a Medicare contractor. This was not a, an evidence-based national coverage determination. What they relied upon in denying the uh, the formula because Kelly takes it orally, you know that very clear sentence in, in the Max decision, you know, referred to the policy article. The policy article is an interpretation of the NCD, 
You know, the NCD in this case was not an evidence-based determination because there is no record evidence of what they considered in issuing it. And indeed, what happened was the, the policy article is even less of an evidence-based interpretation. But, uh, would you like to go, go into your rebuttal time now, or, or, or do you have a question? Go ahead. Just, um, this is a difficult case, one, because there's so many statutes and regulations and national and local determinations we're supposed to look at. I'm an energy lawyer, so I fully agree. <laughs> That's difficult, too. Uh, and also, um, I mean, we all understand um, why it would be, as a policy matter, the government might want to pay for this, for the uh, formula. But the Section 1395K um, really talks about services. You know, it's like the, the government will pay for home care or hospital care or emergency care. Um, it's really talking about service, types of services that the government will provide, not sort of individual medication Uh and it does include prosthetic devices, um, which arguably might be more like a service as opposed to a. I'm just struggling with with the the sense of that section, isn't talking about specific. I don't want to say this is medication, but like specific specific pills or coverage or pills or something. It's talking about sort of a broader provision of services and types of services, and um, is there a concern? And maybe this is a question for the other side, but is there concern that if we include, uh, if we read the regulations and the statute that you want to be read, that there are other types of similar substances of, um, um, that would be also swept in that, that the Secretary would then also have to recognize as being covered that are really just sort of standalone medications or formulas or coolers or whatever, whatever you want to call it? Well, I, I will confine my response to this case. During the course of the pendency of this proceeding, the Secretary withdrew both the policy article and the national coverage determination, you know, and thereby, and then thereby removed the feeding tube requirement and still continued to cover enteral formula as a benefit which means that the secretary himself has recognized that the enteral formula itself is a covered benefit because it replaces the function of a well, malformula. Does Kelly now have coverage? Kelly is, I will answer that question. Kelly is covered currently under Medicaid. She will be disqualified from Medicaid when I retire or die. I have had a liver transplant, and I have a limited shelf life. When I when she, I die, she will get a survivor's benefit, which will disqualify her from Medicaid, which means that this will be her only source of medical formula. The, the change, did the change in rule correspond with the change in administrations? I don't think that had anything to do with the... Uh, the change in administration. I think what happened is uh, they withdrew the policy article in the NCD during the course of this proceeding, and respectfully, I do not think that that was mere serendipity. So, so, so she continued as far as Medicare is concerned. She still doesn't qualify for this to be for this HCU cooler to be encoded. Well. 
the problem is more that in this case, okay, she's still got a $20,000 obligation, you know, that she's on the hook for. Okay. But the secretary has now set, directed his contractors to decide these cases strictly on the basis of medical necessity. So he's covering enteral formula on a medical necessity, on the basis of medical necessity. You know, but candidly, given his you know, opposition in this case, you, know, you wonder whether they're going to go back and pull all the coverage and let, there are 50% of these patients die before the age of 25 if they are not treated. If the secretary thinks that is an appropriate result, he should convene a task force as they did in Heckler versus Ringer and, and address it directly. Well, these are, I, I, I think they're very hard policy questions as I was sort of indicating earlier. Uh, but those are probably better directed to a different branch. How old, I'm just curious, how old is Kelly now? Uh, she's about 30 years old. If I could, before I leave, could I make one additional point? Well, you've, you've reserved five minutes for rebuttal, so you have time to make that in rebuttal. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. Good afternoon, Your Honors. May it please the Court. Nicole Mazzacco on behalf of the Secretary of Health and Human Services. I would like to begin um, by addressing the point that you, Your Honors were just discussing with opposing counsel, the question of whether or not there has been any coverage change for uh, medical foods like the HCU cooler. There has not been. Um, that has been the Secretary's consistent position um, for decades and decades, Your Honors, that these types of medical foods are not covered through the prosthetic device provision. The withdrawal of the, I'm sorry, Your Honor. I'm a little confused, though. If, if you have a prosthetic device, though, it is, these are paid for. Um, often, right? Oftentimes, yes, Your Honor. You would, of course, have to have that patient run through the particular coverage requirements, um, and their medical records would have to be proven up. There are, would be additional technical requirements um, that would have to be met. But yes, uh, Medicare does cover feeding tubes, and when Medicare is covering a feeding tube, the Secretary has generous, genu, gen, hmm, kindly. Generously. <laughs> Thank you, Your Honor, generously. Generously uh, interpreted the prosthetic device uh, provision as also including the items necessary to make that device function. But that, to me, suggests kind of an arbitrariness here in that... You have to have a tube in order to get the get it covered. But if you don't have the tube, it's not covered. It, it just seems very kind of arbitrary to me. I, I guess you're basing it on what? I mean, what what? The statutory language set, set out by Congress. But it has to be a prosthetic device. Yes. That's what you're hanging your hat on. Exactly, Your Honor. The plate. And the rest is like it doesn't necessarily follow that somehow the. HCA cooler suddenly becomes a prosthetic device because it's being delivered through a tube. You're saying somehow that just as a matter of generosity, the well, secretary decides the HCA cooler will then be covered if it's being delivered through a tube. It would not be a prosthetic device. So under no formulation is the HCU cooler transferred into uh, becoming a prosthetic device. Um, when the secretary is covering prosthetic devices like feeding tubes, um, he is typically covering everything necessary to make that prosthetic device function. So well, that would include... Uh, what Judge Bush says, 
is a sort of a strange anomaly because there's no medical benefit from having a feeding tube. I mean, the feeding tube is just a means to get the medical the medication you need, which in this case would be the HCU cooler. So if the feeding tube doesn't add anything except as a way to get what you really need is the cooler, why why shouldn't you be able to be covered for the cooler if you don't need the feeding tube? Well, Your Honor, because that is the choice that the con Congress has made. Um, there, Medicare is a defined benefit program with different uh, categories of benefits. Medical necessity alone is not enough for something to receive coverage under Medicare. You must first go through a defined benefit category. Here, the category at issue is the prosthetic device benefit. There is no defined benefit category for medical foods separately, Your Honor. Any, give me an analogy. Is there any other kind of medical food that's not covered? that is important for staying alive? Any kind of a medical food, Your Honor, standing alone would not be covered if consumed orally, is my understanding. Um, something that would be similar would be, um, is, say, insulin or thyroid medication, something that your body, your pancreas does not produce insulin, and so we are adding the insulin in, and you need that as a diabetic to survive. That is not a prosthetic device and would also not receive coverage under the prosthetic device defined benefit category. Insulin is covered elsewhere. Now, is there? A, I take it there are separate statutes dealing with, I mean, let me ask you this, can a medical food ever be a drug that would be covered by Medicare? I do not know the answer to that, Your Honor. My knowledge of the Medicare statute is not exhaustive. Okay, um, because it seems to me you would probably have st statutory provisions dealing with devices and then you have provisions dealing with drugs because we know Medicare covers drugs. That is Part D, Your Honor, and not at issue in this case. They are okay. not seeking coverage under Part D. Okay. Yeah. Insulin, you example, that's covered under Part D, I guess. Yeah. I believe so, Your Honor, yes. So we don't, you just don't, you can't answer how this, um, how this substance would be treated under Part D. I do not know the answer to that, Your Honor, no. Uh -huh. But that's not before the court and not part of this case. So what, what different, I mean, your opposing counsel says you're not, the, 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 the secretary is not entitled to much, any deference here. Well, I would respectfully disagree with that assertion, Your Honor. Uh, first, I would like to note that we don't need to get to deference here. But the plain language of the statute uh, solves this case. Uh, a food, a drink, is not a prosthetic device for the reasons that we've laid out in the brief. So I don't think we need to get to the layers of deference that agencies are given. However, to the extent that your honors would find that statutory provision ambiguous, um, we believe uh, that the NCD at issue here would correctly be entitled to Chevron deference. The statute very clearly uh, places in the Secretary's hands the right to determine what is covered under Medicare and what is not, specifically directs the Secretary to issue NCDs like this, determining coverage nationally. And because of that, we believe that Chevron deference ought to be shown to the NCD, which we which, as you can see from reviewing it, also deals with what is covered in terms of enteral nutrition under the prosthetic device benefit and would clearly exclude the cooler. Because Are you aware of any other cases involving uh, this type of uh, claim for, for coverage? No, Your Honor. Uh, are you aware of whether the MAC here... Um, that the uh, you know the LCD and the articles are they consistent with how other Macs treat the LC uh, the, the, so the MCD? I'm trying to keep keep on my acronym straight here. <laughs> tell, tell me what the government, Your Honor, we bring you alphabet. The Mac is the um, is the uh, the independent contractor that administrate. No, am I getting it wrong? It's the Medicare Appeals Council, Your Honor. Okay, okay, and the, and the, but it is the initial. 
decision maker as to whether or not. It is not, Your Honor. Oh, it's not. Um, okay, it well the then last, maybe I should have it. It is the last decision maker. I'm getting totally confused maker. then. So there are four levels. Well, give me, give me the, the order of, of decision makers here. Certainly, Your Honor. I'm going to have to refer to my brief to do that okay. for you because I don't know off the top of my head. Clarify that. We're, we're reviewing the decision of the MAC. We are. The MAC is the final uh, the final decision of the agency that the court is reviewing. Okay. And, but I am happy to, it is in my brief, Your Honor, and I'm happy to pull that up and, and go through the layers if you would like me to. Okay. Um, well, maybe I can work it work, work my way through it myself. Um, afterwards. Tell me this, and I mean, you know, the Medicare Benefits Policy Manual states that, quote, prosthetic devices include enteral, medi- enteral nutrition. So we have several responses to that point. Well, that sounds pretty bad for you. <laughs> uh, well, I have I have several responses, Your Honor. Okay. So the first one being that the the manual is not binding, and so it is not it's not something that governs in this case. The manual is 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 just a document that sort of fills fills in um, in a more colloquial way what's going on. It's not binding in the way that an NCD is. Um, and then additionally, if you read the manual as a whole, Your Honor, it's contemplating prosthetic devices and enteral food delivery systems. When you read through the whole thing, you can see that what it's talking about is the the feeding materials being covered in conjunction with the prosthetic devices. So if you read the manual as a whole and don't take it out of context, I don't think you'll find that it supports uh, plaintiff's position, Your Honor. And additionally... Um, we, we, again, we don't need to get there because the plain statutory language nice uh, makes that. it clear. So, uh, we're reviewing the MAC, and that decision relied on more than just the statute. So it went to the NDL, or the N, uh, uh, NCD, LCD. Uh, don't we, in other words, doesn't our, don't we have to review the decision, the analysis offered by the agency, essentially? And... I'm not certain I understand your question, Your Honor, so please correct me if I answer it not in the manner that you were you were hoping for. Um, we are reviewing the MAC's decision, and I think if you read the MAC's opinion as a whole, it, it talks about both the statutory language, the NCD, the LCD, and the policy article as all four being in accord. Okay, that's one way. That's one way to read it. Uh, okay, and that is how that is how the secretary would read it. Sure. So the, I mean, um, the LCDs are independent private contractors, right? So yeah, so the I'm trying to trip you up. I'm just they're basically private entities, and part of part of uh, what you've pointed to is guidance documents issued by private entities. That to me sounds like the last thing I want to rely on in terms of a statutory interpretation. Quick uh, case. Certainly, Your Honor. I appreciate your point, and I don't think we need to get there because I think we can stop and start with the statutory language. However, um, I do think it's important. So, so, so you're, you're, reading the, you're reading the MAC as basically there's four independent bases or four related, but in, at the end of the day, independent. Each of these, each of the, we could just we could just end with the statute. You're reading the MAC as saying you could just do this on the statute, or you could do it working your way down all the way to the LCD. Got Correct, Your Honor. I don't think you need to get to either the policy article article or the LCD. However, um, I do think it's important that those documents do receive the deference that the Secretary gives them in his regulations, and then also because the statute itself contemplates the issue, the issuance of these local coverage determinations. Uh, and so Congress is contemplating the, contemplating the relevance of this as well. But the only policy document issued by the Secretary is the NCD, correct? I'm struggling with what Your Honor intends by policy document. Well, I'm, I'm, in terms of agency interpretation of the statute, 
isn't that just the NCD? In terms of what the what the secretary how the stats how the secretary uh, yeah interprets the statutory language doesn't that isn't that embodied in the NCD? It is yes, your honor. And these and the LCD and articles are private contractors who are interpreting the NCD. Yes, is that fair to say? That is your honor. So back to my original question, which I was not very good at asking. Maybe I asked it this way. Are the LCDs and articles consistent around the country in interpreting the NCD with respect to this issue? To the best of my knowledge, yes, Your Honor, although I can't say that I've reviewed them all. But it's my understanding that it is throughout throughout the country this would not be covered. It would not vary based on uh, where you live. And you're not aware of any other case or instance where there's been an appeal of a denial of coverage of, of uh, HCU um Cooler. To the federal court level? No, Your Honor. What about the agency level? Through the MAC, I don't have that information. Okay. I have one um, additional point that I wanted to make uh, in relation to the reply brief, Your Honors. So the reply brief states that, and I've covered this to a certain extent, but very specifically the reply brief says there was a change in policy in 2014, um, citing an edit that was made to the NCD in 2014. And there was indeed an edit made to the NCD in 2014. Um, That NCD, along with most other documents under HHS's purview received a variety of edits in relation to the secretary transitioning from ICD-9 to ICD-10. And they're technical edits in terms of terminology. They're not substantive edits. So nothing in 2014 changed the substance of what is before the court now. And to the extent that the court would like to review the red line of those edits, if this is something the court is interested in, I do have the publicly available website where that edit is offered. And I'm happy to read it out. One more question. When I was asking you about um, the NCD being issued by the Secretary, it looks like the Medicare Benefit Policy Manual is also issued by the Secretary. Is that correct? It is, Your Honor, but it, it is a, not a binding but it's not. So it pr- does not purport to be an authoritative interpretation of the statute. I would not ask for Chevron deference for the policy manual, manual Your Honor, which is, I think, what you're getting at. Okay. Seems like a kind of tough case in a way. I mean, you know, one sense easy if, hey, the statute doesn't cover, has to be a prosthetic device. This isn't a prosthetic device. Yet the sort of what what's being denied seems pretty bad. And, and you, you can only cite insulin, which is a covered drug, which I doubt this is. So you don't really have a comparable orally taken medication it seems quite comparable to this HCU cooler that's being denied coverage, where you know you have no feeding tube or prosthetic device to deliver it. So if you have if you if you can, if you have to have it delivered artificially, you're covered. Hey, if you can just swallow it, tough luck. I mean, that's sort of what it sounds like. And, Your Honor, that is an argument best directed to Congress. Um, the Secretary cannot cover everything um, that a doctor deems uh, necessary to a patient's treatment because of the way Congress has structured Medicare. So to the extent that someone would wish to argue that as a policy matter that medical foods ought to be covered under Medicare, uh, one would have to take that argument to the legislative branch as opposed to the Secretary or this Court. And if the Court has no further questions. Under Part D, are you saying this isn't covered or you don't know whether it's covered? I don't know, Your Honor. 
Okay, well, thank you very much. The NCD, pardon me, Section 1834M explicitly recognizes enteral formula as a prosthetic device within Section 1395Y, or pardon me, 1395X. It explicitly recognizes enteral formula as a prosthetic device. The Secretary is simply wrong in arguing otherwise. This is thoroughly dealt with in my briefs. The, NC, the policy article, pardon me, the policy manual to respond to Judge Gilman's question, um, which would not generally be binding, is in fact incorporated into the NCD. It is therefore binding, and it explicitly recognizes both enteral and parenteral formula as a uh, prosthetic device. The, the one statement, nowhere in any of these coverage documents does the Secretary say that he is excluding coverage, you know, for enteral formulas for persons with a, a permanent impairment. And the Secretary's own brief recognizes that specific in exclusion is in fact the legal standard. The, with regard to the one sentence that in the uh, policy article that the Appeals Council relied upon, what it did is that the, the policy article extended coverage to persons with temporary impairments. If a person with temporary impairments ceases to suffer from that temporary impairment, his need for enteral formula ceases to exist. And the policy article then made clear that it was excluding regular foods and oral supplements. Kelly's enteral formula is not, Kelly cannot eat regular foods because she cannot metabolize the proteins in those regular foods. It is also not a supplement. It is instead of her other protein, it is not in addition to. So, this enteral formula is statutorily defined as a covered benefit. And it is recognized as such in both the NCD and in the policy manual which the NCD incorporates. The Secretary respectfully is simply wrong. Have you, have you explored how this is covered, whether it's covered under Part D? The uh, I can answer that question generally. Okay, this is these central formulas are a very. Uh, there's only a small amount of them that are produced. They, the FDA basically excluded them, you know, from the typical drug approval process because there are not, you know, enough recipients who need this to be able to justify the expense of carrying through it. So, unfortunately, and what Congress did is therefore accepted it from what would otherwise be recognized as a prescription drug. And that is why it is regulated under the Orphan Drug Act. You know, and, but it is still only available on the prescription, uh, physician's prescription. Um, the, 
the NCD did not require, I'm going to deal with a couple of things very quickly here. The NCD did not require the plaintiff to specifically identify, you know, uh, the affected body organ in lay terms. That was one of the arguments in the Secretary's brief. It only required the plaintiff to submit sufficient medical documentation you know, to permit an independent conclusion that the patient's condition meets the requirements of the prosthetic device. That independent, you know, conclusion was conducted by the secretary's own clinical panel, which consisted of both a, a clinician and a physician who only concluded that Kelly's formula was not taken through an, uh, a feeding tube. It did not include or conclude that it was not medical necessary or that it was not treating a dysfunction of a liver. The secretary, the, the conclusion of the MAC that, you know, there's no record evidence supporting that this is Kelly's liver is actually unsupported by the record evidence in this case. The record evidence in this case is that it got submitted, you know, to the, uh, the independent panel that consisted of, among other things, a medical doctor who would have understood um, an inborn error of metabolism, would have understood that proteins and their amino acids are metabolized in the liver and did not find either that this was not necessary or that it was not a dysfunction of Kelly's liver. Before you sit down, uh, you start, I don't want to interrupt you, but you started off by referencing section 1834. 1864M. 64M. I don't, there's so many, there's so many sections. 1864M deals with uh, special payment provisions with some items. And it explicitly, and what it says is we are including, we are issuing special payment uh, provisions for prosthetic devices, and the term prosthetic devices has the same meaning as under section uh, 1395X. Except it does not include enteral formula. So it accepts enteral formula out of the special payment provisions, but otherwise recognizes that it is included within section 1395X. It is, it is statutorily defined as a prosthetic device. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We will take the case under submission. The court may call the next case.